Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, spare the Hodge, spoil the child. Gail brings the case against her sister, Amy. Gail loves being the auntie to Amy's three-year-old son, Ray. She and her sister live several states apart, but visit each other every few months. Gail believes that she and her nephew are kindred spirits, sensitive souls living in a harsh world. As a loving aunt, she thinks she should be able to comfort Ray when he's upset, even over rule-breaking, and help him handle his feelings. Amy believes Gail is unnecessarily coddling Ray and encouraging him to become an overly emotional child. Who is right? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Because you hated knowledge and had nothing to do with the fear of Hodgman, because you wouldn't take my advice and brushed aside all my offers to train you, well, you've made your bed. Now lie in it. You wanted your own way. Now, how do you like it? Don't you see what happens, you simpletons? You idiots? Carelessness kills. Complacency is murder. First, pay attention to me, and then relax. Now, you're in good hands. Bailiff Jesse, please swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? Yes, I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he was literally a robot until he reached college and became a real man? Yes, I do. Very well, Judge Hodgman. Thank you very much, Bailiff Jesse. Hello, Gail. Hello, Amy. For an immediate summary judgment in your favor, can one of you name the origin of the quote that I just paraphrased? No. Uh uh, it's very familiar, okay. but it's probably not the best little whorehouse in Texas. No, it is not. It is, <laughs> it is the book of Proverbs from the Bible. Specifically. You know, I was about to say that because you sound exactly like my rabbi. Too late, Jezebel. <laughs> <laughs> she should know that one. <laughs> specifically, the wisdom of Solomon. Oh. I blasphemed a little in it because I said fear of Hodgman instead of fear of God. But otherwise, that came directly off of an internet Bible that I found. You might chop our, uh, Ray in half. Yeah, well, you know that's going to happen, right? You are the first two women <laughs> to come fighting over a child. I am going to cut this baby in half. Oh, I hope I get the good half. Oh, that's how I know you're not the mother. <laughs> I just made the joke faster the, than my sister could. She would real, have done the, the same one. The real, this is the wisdom of Solomon. The real mother wouldn't care what half she got, good or bad. <laughs> All right. Which, which one of you jokers is which? Amy, you speak. Say hello. Um, I'm Amy. I'm the mother of Ray. You're the biological mother of Ray who is three years old. And Gail, you are the, yeah. you are the, the aunt or aunt to this child. Is that correct? That's correct. And where do you live? I live in the uh, western suburbs of Chicago. Okay, and do you say aunt or aunt? Well, I say auntie because we already have an aunt Gail in the family. Okay, auntie. But I say aunt. But I say aunt because I'm from you know Colorado. Right. So if I understand this correct, this correctly, Gail, you are you are Ray's auntie. 
He is a three-year-old child. You comfort him when he cries. And your sister, Amy, sister, right? Biological sister, not sisters-in-law, right? Your sister, Amy, says, don't do that. Uh, Don't comfort my child and give him no affection whatsoever. And Gail, you have to tell me, why should I ever rule in favor of an aunt instead of a mother when it comes to her own son? Explain. Okay, because I believe that our Ray and I are much alike personality wise. Um, And Amy is very hard boiled, you know, full on force, you know, does not experience a lot of fear or second guessing or anxiety, which is lovely and great and awesome. But she often may not understand that in a scary situation, um, and, and I don't mean all the time, I respect her wishes when it comes to putting him to bed or eating food or if he wants to throw a toy at her head. But in a case where he, I think she doesn't, she doesn't want, she doesn't, she doesn't want to put her child to better feed him food because it softens him up. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. She wants him to forage in the backyard, which I'm okay with because, you know, that's an important skill. All right. I get it. I get it. I get it. You're trying to infect your nephew with your own fear of life. Can you give me Mm -hmm. some specific examples of a situation where, give me one specific example where you have provided comfort to Ray and your sister has said, please don't do that. We were, all of us were in Madison, Wisconsin, which none of us are from, and we were driving to meet her in-laws for dinner at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we were in a strange rental car in a strange place, Mm -hmm. and it was dark, Mm -hmm. meeting somewhat strange people. Mm -hmm. And And what kind of rental car was it? It was like an SUV. It was big because the whole family was was there. But do you remember the the maker model? No, Amy might, though. Amy, do you remember what it was? With detail. Like a Dodge something American gas guzzling thing. I, appre- have- I appreciate your efforts to not buzz market it. Amy has a lot of luggage, so they needed a big car. Are you, you're, are you talking metaphorically? <laughs> no, really. Okay. Ray's best stuff friend, mm-hmm. Sheepy. No, oh, his, his name, name is Harry, actually. Harry the Sheep. Okay. Because he's a sheep. No, no, no. I understand. <laughs> he was. Is there a like, dispute over his... what over what this is called? What is what does Ray call this thing? Harry. Harry. Okay. Yeah. Very well. <laughs> sheepy, also known as Sheepy, for purposes of right, podcasting. He, he was known as Sheepy until Ray was old enough to name him himself because he got him as a newborn. Okay. Um. So, so Harry, Harry, Harry the stuffed sheep. Yes, was left back at the, I think it was like a, a step up from Residence Inn hotel that we were staying at okay. that we got for really cheap. Thank you for and anti-buzz marketing Residence Inn as well. Yes. I don't think it was. Oh, the toaster exploded. I wouldn't go there. No, 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 but they were nice about it. Okay, order, 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 order. <laughs> if, I, if I find out the two of you have been hired by major ad agencies <laughs> to do opposition marketing against Dodge and Residence Inn. All I was trying to do was to ask you what kind of car were you driving, so you would, <laughs> so you would say, so you would say what I mean, whatever, whatever you would say, like a, like a, like a, a Dodge Caravan. I would go, oh, of course, those are known to be haunted, because you were making it out like it was creepy that you were in Madison. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, but it was because well, it was, it was pre- a funeral. Well, yes. Okay, so, important context. So right. So, so uh, we were there let for- me let me let me just break it Sorry. down. Let me just break it down. Stop. Amy, where do you live? 
Uh, Denver, Colorado. Okay, in Colorado. And so you you guys all all went to Madison. Um. Well, Madison, Wisconsin is where all of my in-laws are at. Um, my husband's sister and her family and my mother and father-in-law and my father-in-law um, passed suddenly. Um, Ray and the rest of the family, we go out to Madison a couple times a year. So he is um, familiar with the town. He's familiar with air travel, um, with cars, um, you know, rental cars, all of that. Gotcha. Um, so the, that is one, so the only one who's terrified of Madison is Gail. So you're on this terrifying trip. To Madison, Wisconsin, a place where your nephew has been before, but it is a emotionally laden time because uh, his uh, his grandfather had passed away. Do I no grand? Yeah, grandfather has to be right. I'm I'm, I'm right. doing the family tree correctly. Okay, good. Yes. And so, describe what happens. Uh, Ray looks around the car and realizes that Harry the sheep has been left back at the hotel Mm -hmm. and asks, where's Harry? And we're like, well, he's back at the hotel. And Ray became upset and wanted his Harry, which is what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, feeling his pain because I all my sister did not have a lovey growing up. I had a lovey named Doggy Daddy. Um, And when I would be in emotionally upsetting situations, I would be sad if I did not have him. So I held his hand and told him it would be okay and said soothing words. I didn't say that we must go back to the hotel to get Harry, you know, nothing like that. Just helping him get through his feelings of not having his stuffed sheep with him. Amy, what's wrong with that? Um, Well, I think that is um, Gail's perception of what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And Gail doesn't get to see Ray as often. I'm a stay-at-home mom now. I'm Mm -hmm. a lawyer by trade, but I am a stay-at-home mom, so I spend 24-7. And it is a rule that Harry um, doesn't go on errands. He doesn't go in the car. The only time he's ever in the car is if we're driving somewhere long where he's going to end up taking a nap somewhere like down to Granny's or spend the night or something else. Harry stays at home where he's safe. That is a rule. So when Ray went, where's Harry? Um, I said, well, he's back at the hotel room where he's safe. And then he started having a three-year-old tantrum. Um, Ray was in his car seat. She immediately starts just kind of getting all panicky and like kind of like shaking. And she's like hovers over him saying and petting him. It's okay, Ray. It's okay. Um, Harry's okay. Um, It's okay. It's okay. Like literally like compulsively and then like literally like in his face. And guess what he does? Ray, you can guess for me. He starts crying harder. And he starts getting more and more upset. And that's when I say, Gail, leave Ray alone. Just let him cry it out. And then Gail just, you could tell she was a little bit verklempt about it. Um, but she sat back and just held his hand. And two minutes later, he was completely over it. Um, but it's things like that where I think she's kind of imprinting her own anxiety upon him. And he is a lot like Gail. He is much more sensitive than I am. I am not a sensitive person at all. My concern is that he is acting like a normal three-year-old and when and yes, he does cry. And yes, he is generally upset he's not getting his way. And that's really what it's about. Because as a mother, you know that cry. And as a father, you know that cry where it's like, oh, heck, he might have just lost a limb or something really bad has happened. You know, this or that. You know, because if he's crying because he lost Harry and he's within the rules, I will go find Harry for him. That's mm-hmm. understandable. But if he's crying like in the grocery store because he can't have a candy bar, I'm not going to be there and be like, it's okay, Ray. Ray, it's okay. I mean, the world sucks. If he can't handle Harry not being in the car, what the heck is he going to do in kindergarten when somebody takes a sandwich? 
Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Thank you, Rabbi. King Solomon. <laughs> from the internet. <laughs> you, do not, you do not want your child to be carrying around Harry the Sheepy all the time. Is that the, is that the reason? You don't want him to be a grown-up carrying around a lovey? Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I don't want him to be a five-year-old carrying around a lovey. You I hate mean, that. You hate there- that. You hate that Sheepy. No, no, I actually like Harry quite a bit. Um, he's a little sweet pea, um, but it's for a certain time and place. You know, if he has that for sleeping, if he has that when he's, you know, watching his cartoon he gets once a day, that's all fine. But no, he's not going to be dragging it around outside. You know, I don't want him to be heckled when he's five years old or, God forbid, that weird kid at nine who brings his lovey over for a sleepover. You know what I mean? He has to learn how to deal with his own emotions in a constructive way. That's my thought process. But my sister is correct in some ways that um, I am not as sensitive, as, certainly as Gail. And probably even, you know, I believe Ray is more sensitive than me. But I don't know if it goes to the length that Gail sees in it. Well, no, no, no. This is getting dangerously close to compromise before I've even had a chance to tell one of you <laughs> that you're wrong. You heard, you heard your sister's description of how you treated Ray and of Ray's behavior and of your behavior very much at odds with your description. Who is right? I am correct, and I have various pieces of evidence I would like to enter. Do you have, do you have video? Unfortunately not, but I do know I never took my seatbelt off, so I couldn't have hovered in his face, because as we know, we were in a giant U.S. gas guzzler, so I was on the other side of the car, mm-hmm. and um, Amy was in the front seat, and so she wouldn't have had a good view of what was going on anyway. So I certainly was not in his face patting him all over. I was holding his hand. Um, also, it is not a hard and fast rule that Sheepy or Harry is not allowed in the car. And I have a picture, which I have submitted, showing Harry in the car. And I also have a chat conversation where she describes packing up Harry for a trip to Chuck E. Cheese, right, which me, would certainly not be a long trip. Let me, let me, look, at this, let me look at this evidence. Uh, I see a picture of a baby mm-hmm. in a car holding a bottle. Okay, and the baby's eyes have been uh, blocked by a disfiguring black bar in order to protect him from internet creepers, pre- internet predators. <laughs> and uh, I do not see, I see a blanky, but I do not see a sheepy. Where do I see the sheepy here? The, she- the blanky is Harry the sheep. He, what? He's like half, he's half sheep, half blanket, or he got rolled over by something. Oh, I don't like know a, which. A chimera, a chimera blanky? A chimera yes. sheep blanky? Yes. He I don't know what that head. is. <laughs> what are you doing to protect Harry from creepers? Good question. Amy was not concerned about Harry's well-being at all, I would just like to say. Okay. Yeah, that's because Harry is a blanket that has, <laughs> has a sheep head. Um, you will notice in the picture that Ray is one years old. He still has a bottle. He might be under one years old. We're talking about disciplining and coddling a three-year-old. And Gail, and this is one of the issues I take with Gail very strongly, since she doesn't see Ray very much, she still thinks of him as a baby. He's not a baby anymore. He's a young boy now, you know, talking, 
smart, manipulating, doing all of these things, you know, becoming a real person. And just the fact that she brings up evidence of Harry in the car as a baby, she doesn't even have the perspective of raising a toddler and the structure that's required. She just wants to pet him like a little baby. I don't really think that's how you pronounce baby. (laughs) Can we keep mocking tones out of the courtroom, please? (laughs) I think we should increase the mocking tones. I'm having a blast. I think that may be the name of Bailiff Jesse's new doo-wop group, The Mocking Tones. Amy, are you the younger sister or the older sister? Younger, but I'm taller. Gail's four foot ten. Just as as long as you can turn it into a competition, I'm fine. (laughs) Just as long as you can turn my simple question... Into an anxious competition between sisters. That's fine with me. That's all I, that's all I require. So you're younger but taller. Yes. Uh, how were you raised? Would you say you were raised... I mean, you talked about coddling and disciplining a three-year-old. Uh, um, well, Gail and I had a very rough and tumble childhood. We're two years apart, and we grew up very, very close. We slept in the same bed mm-hmm. um, forever. We still actually sleep in the same bed when we visit half mm-hmm, of the time, which mm-hmm. our husbands thoroughly enjoy. Um, and, um, no, we came from a remarkably strict household, and my sister is very sensitive. Um, she can become anxious very easily. She was a very anxious child. I took care of her a lot in a lot of ways. She mm-hmm. took care of me you coddled her. in different ways. Um, no, I uh, protected her. I don't need to know the the specifics of how you protected her because that I, I think you might mean that very specifically. And right. I mean to mm-hmm. say, uh, where does uh, what is the difference between coddling, uh, which has a clearly negative connotation, and mm-hmm. comforting? You know, that's a really interesting point. I think the coddling is just um, like an affirmation of your sadness and anxiety where comforting is, um, you know, stating, I see that you're upset. Here is a way to solve it to make you feel better. What's the difference between a baby and a baby? baby. <laughs> no, okay. A baby is something that just needs to be held and snuggled and loved, and I'll just take care of you. Here's some pudding. And a baby, a normal baby, is something that's growing up and going to become a man one day. Can I say that Amy loved pudding when she was growing up? And that for Christmas, she would get like this massive can from Sam's and would not share it at all. No, that would be coddling you. (laughs) If you, uh, but I'm going to say this right now. If you say that what you loved was butterscotch pudding, I'm hanging up this podcast. No, it was chocolate. Okay. <laughs> then we can go on. Then we can go on. You're, this is a delicate situation because you're, you're mom. You're the boss. Mm-hmm. Comforting. Uh, what, uh, what would you have had? Oh, how, do I, how do I get at what I want to say here? You know, I'm just going to talk about it. All right. Uh, you're right. Your son is not a baby, right? But he's three years old. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he might, since you were on your way to your to his grandfather's funeral, might have been upset about things beyond leaving Sheepy slash Harry back at the terrible hotel? 
Um, well, it was on a way to dinner the night before the funeral, but still that funeral air was there. So I do think because he is sensitive, I also think even more than the funeral, because being three, um, you know, he loves his grandpa, of course, but him living in Wisconsin, him being three there, it, it wouldn't be the same as, you know, if he had passed when um, Ray was 12. Um, but no, I do it, pro- think it that probably is a lot harder. At three? Of course. Because he does not understand what is happening and does yeah, not, and is not able to true. process what is going on and exa- doesn't even appreciate how bad he should feel. He might not even understand that gr- Grandpa is not coming back. Um, I thought it would be best to try to explain it, but my husband um, said, you know, Ray just isn't able to understand it. Um, he, um, Ray still talks about Grandpa as if he's going to see him again, so I don't even know how to handle that. But certainly, well, I look, do think are, there was more emotionality there. there. I mean, those are definitely hard choices. But now mm-hmm. that you say that in particular, I would imagine that this is a, a, an incredibly volatile emotional situation because even if you've chosen not to explain what has happened, certainly mm-hmm. he knows there and he's in a different place. He's in a weird place called Madison, Wisconsin, uh, in a haunted SUV at a terrible <laughs> hotel where the toasters don't work. No, it worked real good. And I and I just I just want you to consider the possibility that, it, and he knows that people around him feel bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would just ask you to consider the possibility that whatever your sister was doing to comfort him, whether you appreciate it or not. Um, that the intensity of the emotion he was feeling might not be because she was offering him the coddling. Do you know what I'm saying? It wasn't that he was amping up a tantrum necessarily. I wasn't there, but I'm just asking you to consider the possibility that he wasn't amping up a tantrum because she offered him comfort, but he might be expressing emotions that that are very intense um, that were just maybe unlocked by the comfort that she was offering. Is that possible? Yeah, no, I definitely think that because he is sensitive. He's very intuitive. Um, that That is true. Um, I still stand by that the coddling still, from my perception and from being with him every day, mm-hmm. seemed to get him going more. Now, perhaps that was a positive thing. It let him let out defer, that emotion. And I will absolutely defer because you're a mom, and I will defer to your perception on that. So let's just stipulate that, that that's what it is then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a problem with him being sensitive? No. Um, well, um, there's not. For the way he is right now, um, you know, he's a watcher before he gets in. But once he's comfortable, he's all the way out there. I don't mind him being sensitive at all. But I am just because our family is very connected emotionally. Like we can tell, you know, states apart if somebody's upset this or that. So if he is feeling sensitive and somebody else is feeling sensitive around him, like the connection he has with Gail, um, I do think it amplifies. And I don't care for that because I don't want to see him get all worked up. I also don't want him to feel validated in um, getting overly emotional. Okay. Uh, What do you mean um, you can tell from states away that things, what does that mean? She thinks we're psychic, but we're not. Except for Gail says that, too. Um, It could be, you know, I'm not (laughs) going to name whatever it is, but we have dreams about what's going on in other people's lives. Um, It runs in the female side of our family. Um, And it can also just be simply that you're more observant about the people that you know. So when you talk to them on the phone or um, you chat with them on IM, you can pick up, you know, a change in behavior so you can figure out that they're, 
you know, maybe a little bit off or sad or anxious. It can be any combination of all, but we're definitely in tune to each other. My sister and I are very close. Okay. Gail? Even though we're very different. Okay. Gail, how would you describe your, your psychic powers? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I would like to first stipulate that I do not have them, but as they have been described to me, um, I get upset whenever anyone else is upset. Amy tells the story of the time where I started frantically calling and I aming to make sure um, Ray was okay right as he was having the world's most massive meltdown. And I was in Chicago and they were in Colorado. But I say that was just, you know, coincidence. So you just had, Not, a, you, you had, a, you had a moment of the shining, like something's wrong. <laughs> Ray's, right. Ray's having a tantrum. Sheepies. Well, no. Sheepies on, right. on top of that exploding uh, 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 toaster. <laughs> toaster. <laughs> <laughs> right. That would have been a disaster, actually. <laughs> and then, the, um, and I would like to point out that Ray had reason to be worried about uh, Sheepy being back at the hotel because we actually left him behind after we checked out and had to rush back from the Mustard Museum to rescue him. So he le- had legitimate fears of. of you know, poor sheepy Harry being abandoned. Wait a minute. I think you, you left you you guys accidentally left uh, Harry the sheepy in the terrible <laughs> hotel uh, while you were at the mustard museum. Before no, we were checked out. After. We were getting ready to go to the airport. Oh, okay. So this was at, but this was after the funeral, presumably. Yes. Is it that you're saying that Ray had a psychic premonition that you guys were going to leave it behind? <laughs> that that's what he was upset about? The, the, well, he didn't actually know because I distracted him with gumballs, and apparently you're not supposed to give gumballs to toddlers, but I didn't know that. Um, I did tell him I tried to kill oh, Ray. I turned my back for one minute. She got him one of those giant, like, like big as your fist gumballs, practically. He has it in his mouth, and all of a sudden I'm looking at him, and all of a sudden he's, like, kind of choking and chewing. He has a huge wad of gum in the back of his mouth. I had to pry his, like, jaw open like a big, like, python and reach my hand <laughs> down there and get it out. And then she yeah. thinks she knows how to mother him? Well, I don't know how to mother. I, I do defer to Amy 99% of the time. Would um, you agree with that percentage, Amy? I'd say more like 89. 89% of the time? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, now, she does know him best. Okay. You, you say you may or may not be psychic. Which one of you can tell what I'm thinking? You're thinking we're crazy, but everyone thinks that. I think you're hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. Amy, Amy, were you the one who said I was hungry? Yes. You're wrong. I'll be back in after a moment after I get my, uh, my uh, psychic uh, memos together in chambers. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Gail, how are you feeling about the case you presented to the judge? I, don't, I think he's going to be on my sister's side, um, which will be very hard to cope with because, you know, it's really sad when he's sad. <laughs> Why do you think that? Um, because he says that um, we should defer to the mother, which I do agree with the vast majority of the time. What percentage would you say? <laughs> like 99%. <laughs> Amy, Amy, how are you feeling about your chances? No, I mean, I feel good about it. I think that in this world, you have to be strict, and my sister's a bit of a wuss. Um, and so... <laughs> I I think he's going to agree with me. Um, you know, I, I could be a little bit nicer. But, you know, my, my mom, Granny, and Auntie Gail give him all that extra love. So 
And, you know, I don't need my son to be my friend. I don't need him to like me. He can go ahead and love and lavish auntie and granny with all the love in the world. I just need him to keep his ducks in a row and know how to get through life and know how to punch a bully in the face if it ever comes to it. What? What? Does that work? You know he's three, right? <laughs> hey, you got to start him somewhere. <laughs> what is he, what's he working on now? Jeet Kune Do? <laughs> you never know. Well, he does have a stick. Does he have to do push-ups every morning and sit-ups before bed? Squats. <laughs> Uh, very well. Uh, <laughs> please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Uh, I am not hungry, although that is, Amy, very, uh, very motherly and uh, in, intuitively of you. Uh, <laughs> hunger, I've observed, is one of the main reasons for tantrums um, mm. for both children and adults. <laughs> but true. luckily, I'm able to, ret- to remain very calm. Uh, and come to this conclusion. First of all, Gail, don't give a three-year-old huge wads of chewing gum. <laughs> I learned that. <laughs> uh, try, try to learn uh, choking hazards before choking happens. That's one of my watchwords. And, but I would not say that this is um, evidence. Uh, that Gail doesn't know how to mother. It's not her job to mother. As I think, Amy, you agree. It's her job to ante. Um, mm-hmm. It's her job to lavish attention uh, and, and love uh, because she can go home at the end of the day and isn't responsible for the child's upbringing. And so long as she doesn't accidentally kill the child, this is generally, I think, <laughs> an accepted relationship between aunts and their nieces and nephews. Um, but Gail, I mean, you do have to defer, as I think you appreciate, to Amy in 99, not 89, 99%, a real hard 99% uh, of the time. And I think that that means, in a situation like this, uh, where um, if you extend comfort in a situation where Amy has determined that the rule is she doesn't come, please don't extend extra comfort at this point. You do have to defer to that. That said, Amy, this has nothing to do with the law, okay? And this is only my opinion. I appreciate very much the fact that you are not the kind of parent that um, I live among here in Park Slope. Uh, I agree with you that... Um, tending to a child's needs uh, all the time um, uh, uh, is um, probably uh, not the greatest. Um, And indeed, sometimes as a parent, you need to be willing to be the bad guy who is hated by the child in order to make sure they understand what the rules of life really are. I also believe, and I think agree with you very firmly, the job of the parent is to prepare uh, a child um, uh, and teach a child how to live in the world, right? And so in all of these things, I think you and I have a baseline of agreement here. However, there's a tone in what you're saying here that if I were a little bit more hungry, I'd probably be getting more upset about. <laughs> <laughs> and I offer this very respectfully, because at the end of the day, you have to do 
what you think is right. Um, but this uh, idea that the emotional uh, uh, outpourings of a three-year-old are part of a manipulative process um, that, that the three, and that you have to discipline out of the three-year-old, and that furthermore that offering a three-year-old emotional comfort is somehow not part of your job, I really respectfully disagree with you in my experience. Because mm -hmm. what, what, what's going on here, I don't, in my experience, uh, and, and what little research I've done, I don't feel um, that uh, the kids, right, are quite as emotionally manipulative as you might be afraid that they are being. Now, they might not understand their emotions, and they might try to use, uh, to use uh, screaming and kicking and yelling in order to get their way at a time, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean, when, right, uh, when yeah. it's not appropriate, right? So if you were saying to me that Ray was demanding, right, that, uh, that you had to go back to the hotel and get sheepy, right? And Gail was, and you were saying, I'm sorry, that's not how we do things, right? And Gail was saying, no, I think we should turn around. Boy, oh boy, I would have kicked Gail out of that car, right? <laughs> I would have been lost. <laughs> but, 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 offer, but offering comfort to a kid who's in emotional distress, um, I don't think is as destructive, in my opinion, I don't think is as destructive as you fear it might be. And mm -hmm. here's what I have to say. I think that you should tell the truth to your child about what happened to his grandfather. Mm. This is really, I appreciate that I'm stepping over a line, but I feel compelled to share this with you. You can take it if you want. You can throw it away if you want. You can call me any name you want. Okay. No, I agree with you, but okay. it's my husband's father, and he yeah. was the one that was adamant. Well, he's not here, yeah. and I'm sure yeah. he's – I'm sure – I'll you talk with him again about it because I do agree with that. Well, you mentioned you, – right, yeah. I mean, I think that it's instinctive. I think you know, right? But it's like you're, I'm sure your husband is very, very sad because his dad yeah. died, right? And yeah. it's hard. It's hard to deal with. But I tell you, that kid knows – Right, that something's going on, and yeah, not knowing more. not knowing what's going on, even if it's hard for him to process, you're not doing him any favors by keeping him in the dark. Because what he knows mm -hmm. is that other people know something that he doesn't, and it's very can be very upsetting. Yeah. And if that's the kind of conversation like that's harder than than any kind of discipline is having to sit down and look your kid in the eye and say, this person mm -hmm. or this thing or this animal or this pet or this beloved friend is not coming back. But it's the, to my mind, to my mind only, it's one of the most important jobs because that's the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest form of parenting. But the hardest form of parenting is telling the truth. And here's the thing. If you don't do it, your kid will figure it out eventually. And when your yeah. kid figures it out, guess what? Your kid isn't going to have to learn how to protect himself from bullies, he's going to have a lot of emotions that he doesn't know what to do with. And he's going to have a lot of anger and he might be a bully, which maybe is your preference. I don't know. Maybe that's why he's doing squats. Got to have powerful thighs if you want to be a bully. He's going to be very short, though. And, We're and, a very short family. Well, look, <laughs> At least I, he's pretty. I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm, sure he, I'm sure he's fantastic. He looks great. What I can see of his face here that hasn't been obscured to ward off internet predators. <laughs> Creepers. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I don't. I don't think you need to. Um, just in general, I, I think that 
the emotional palette of children is really complex and weird. You don't know what they're upset about, and there's no reasoning with them, and sometimes they just got to cry it out. And I don't personally think it's wrong to let them do that, and I do think it's kind of counterproductive to ask them to have the same emotional control that you would ask of uh, an adult or even a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. In particular, when, someone, when a child is this age, I think the best you can offer them is that you hear them, you can't give them everything they want just because they want it, and, you, and that's certainly true you know, if, if they're sad about someone in their family passing, right? That, that life doesn't just bend to you because you cry, but you do have a right to cry. And after a long squall, it usually kind of settles itself out. My experience only, if that's useful to you, use it. If not, I completely understand. It's your call. I defer to the mom. But I, I, do, I do encourage you to um, be straightforward with your kids and to be as hard, uh, do the hard things, even, even when it's something as hard. If you're going to be a hard, a hard mom and a strict mom, right, there's a lot to recommend it, but it also means you have to do the hard things and say, uh, I would say, say to your husband and say to your kid, this is the reality of the world. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. We're going to be okay. And know that I'm telling you the truth because um, if, I, think they'll, I, think, I think the child will need fewer lessons about how to defend himself if he knows that you guys are all on the same side. So I rule in the favor of Amy with the very small caveat that I also uh, enjoy, the, the very small a minuscule thing that you have to tell your three-year-old son that his grandfather is dead. This is the sound of a gavel. (laughs) Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Thank you. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Amy, I'm sorry there wasn't enough yelling for you in the proceedings. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very relaxed. It was like a soothing spa treatment. <laughs> how, how about you, Gail? I mean, the two of you are renowned for your. I'm not going to say psychic powers. I'll just right. go with empathy. Well, well I, I, I was worried that Amy might be a little upset, but so I'm glad she's not. Um, but it's my job in the family to worry about various things. So, but no, I completely agree, and I do defer to Amy. You know, the vast majority of the time, and even in the case in the car, as she said, I did sit back and just hold his hand. So I, I'm cool with his ruling. What percentage would you say you defer? 99, because otherwise I'm in trouble. Well, <laughs> Gail, Amy, thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. <laughs> Thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you, guys. <sighs> Jesse, I hear I'm, I'm in my chambers. I realize, have you seen my baby cutter in half? This thing's oh. really old. I need a new one. I mean, I didn't have to use it this time, but it's all rusty. I called the sharpener. Did he not come? No, he didn't. And I also Jeez. need oils for these joints on it. And, um... oh, wait a minute. Sorry, my mistake. This is the guillotine. Where's my baby cutter in half? Maybe the sharpener picked it up and he's bringing it in. I don't know. Here's the thing. The guy had really lousy Yelp reviews, but he was the only baby cutter in half sharpener I could find within 30 miles. Yeah, you know, you're only going to get about three stars for that anyway, because it's a controversial job. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You get those activist Yelp reviewers. (laughs) Those activist baby lovers. Uh, well, I got one idea how we could be productive, even in the absence of a baby cutter in half. We can clear out the docket. Let's pass the time that way. Okay, here's something from Charles. He writes, 
To this honorable court, the plaintiff seeks summary judgment declaring that the proper pronunciation of D-E-B-A-C-L-E is debacle, with the stress on the second syllable, so that's debacle, not debuckle, with the stress on the first syllable. Or debacle. 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 Judgment is sought because the latter pronunciation is awful and worse than saying irregardless. Yeah, you know, I think that I actually have been guilty of tossing out a debacle from time to time because I actually had to look this up. I I don't remember specific instances, but it was enough that I had to look it up. And according to Merriam-Webster, home of our our friend and lexicographer, uh, Emily Brewster, uh, it is, uh, as you say, uh, debacle or debacle. Uh, but uh, I do not see debacle unless it is an extremely archaic or just uh, bad usage. Uh, so let's keep it to uh, debacle or debacle, and uh, irregardless, uh, let's not have this debacle again. Adam writes, My girlfriend Lindy and I split the household chores fairly. I do the dishes, she does the laundry. Whenever she- That's the sum total of the household chores they choose to do. and all the windows are broken and there are raccoons the rest are left to chance whenever she does the laundry she refuses to check the pockets of the pants she throws into the wash this has lost us everything from headphones business cards, gift cards and even an iPod she insists on blaming me for leaving the items in my pockets, but my argument is that it is her job as a laundress to ensure that she, he wrote launderer. I changed it to laundress because I think that while that may be sexist, I think it's funnier. It's actually laundrix. <laughs> uh, it is her job as a laund- laundrix to ensure that no water-sensitive items make it into the washing machine. Not all of the clothes that get washed are necessarily in the hamper because sometimes I'll wear a pair of pants for a few days at a time. Just leave them in the hamper. Who's responsible for removing the items? Uh, I think that you would, if you were wise, you would check your pockets before you uh, ever uh, leave your pants out of your possession for any period of time, whether they're in the hamper or not, um, because I have a feeling this is going to be a hard and contentious uh, almost debacle-like habit to break for your <laughs> girlfriend. However, I do agree that she ought to uh, be encouraged to check the pockets uh, before she needlessly ruins things like headphones uh, by running them through the wash. And uh, if she doesn't, uh, if she continues to uh, not check the pockets and ruins a few more things, um, maybe next time you do the dishes, you should wash her uh, iPhone. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Hey, Mother's Day is coming up. Do you have a mom in your life that you'd like to celebrate? There are very few better ways than giving an Aura frame to someone you care about. These are beautifully Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos of your memories with your mom, stepmom, a mentor, 
friend, uh, whatever it is in your life who might enjoy seeing photos from your life, Aura frames are the way to go. Judge, there's a very special mom in my life, Ms. Teresa Thorne. Yes. Uh, that's my wife and also a, a whole human being in her own right. Guess what's guess what's on her bedside table? Yes, that's right. You guessed it in one, an aura frame. Oh. <laughs> what I love about the aura frame is you don't have to load a bunch of stuff onto an SD card or whatever, like with the old digital frames. It is so easy to get the pictures on there. So like when Teresa texts me a cute picture of one of our children or our dog, uh, or one of our siblings texts us a cute picture of one of them or one of their children. Uh, all I have to do is hit that share button on my phone and I can share it right to the frame and then it lives there for as long as I want. I can also take it off whenever I want, but I don't even have to open the Aura Frames app, which is a great app, but I don't right. even have to go there. It just goes straight into wherever I want it, uh, whichever frame I want, or I have multiple Aura Frames in my house or all of them. Uh, it is incredibly easy. That's why Wirecutter chose it as the best digital photo frame. That's why it's one of Oprah's favorite things. Uh, it is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use the code Hodgman at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Stitch Fix. You know that boost of confidence you get when you put on an outfit that just feels good? You know what that's like. That's what I get when I use Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a human stylist, not AI. A human being who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you, and it's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season or any other. This professional stylist picks the clothes. They can either send you a box where anything you don't want is unbelievably easy to return, or they can make a little storefront for you just from stuff that they recommend for your taste and your body. Uh, it, it is an absolutely incredible service. They give you styling advice, outfit recommendations, the whole thing soup to nuts. And like I said, if you don't want it, if you don't like it, it is unfathomably easy to send it back. They give you an envelope that's big enough that has the postage and the labels on it. All you have to do is shove the thing in there, close it up and drop it off at your local mailing center. It is that easy. Can I also say the stuff that my stylist at Stitch Fix picks for me? I really like it. Like they know me and it's really terrific. Plus, if you've got small people in your life, sadly, my small people are now adults shopping for themselves. But if you've got little kids, it's a terrific way to, to get togs for your kids. Style that makes you feel as you, as you want to look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JJHO. That's stitchfix.com slash JJHO. Stitchfix.com slash JJHO. Hi, this is Biz, and this is the final season of One Bad Mother a comedy podcast about parenting. This is going to be a year of celebrating all that makes this podcast and this community magical. I'm so glad that I found your podcast. I just cannot thank you enough for just being the voice of reason as I'm trying to figure all of this out. Thank you and cheers to your incredible show and the vision you had to provide this space for all of us. This is still a show about life after giving life. And yes, there will be swears. 
You can find us on MaximumFun.org. And as always, you are doing a great job. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the extinction and de-extinction of the dodo, PowerPoint as an art form, and the history of Eurovision. Any questions? Uh, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.